Peace be upon you. So one of the biggest prayers that a believing parent can have is to have righteous children that are guided and protected by God. Raising God-loving righteous children is ever more of a concern due to the rampant immorality that is plaguing society and specifically targeting our children. This attempt to push them astray is coming from every facet of their lives. From the entertainment they consume, to the lesson plans they uh, learn in school, to the social influences from their peers. So what is the responsibility of the parents to God willing guide their children? The first thing we have to come to terms with is that we cannot guide anyone. In Surah 28 verse 56 it reads, You cannot guide the ones you love. God is the only one who guides in accordance with His will and in accordance with His knowledge of those who deserve guidance. It's not until we submit to God and wholeheartedly understand that God is the only one who can grant guidance, that it's only through God that someone can be guided, that we actually have a chance of our children being protected and guided. You know, a common mistake parents make is to think that they can guide their kids. They think that out of their own reasoning, discipline, oversight, they can keep their kids on the straight and narrow. What we need to remember is that it is not us who guide our loved ones, but only God alone. So if we think we can guide our children on our own merit without God's intervention, then we are severely mistaken. God has a system. And we have to abide by God's system if we want to be successful in raising good kids. So what can parents do to protect their kids from these influences and God willing help to keep them on the straight path? When we get on a plane, the flight crew always goes over flight safety procedures. They state that in case of a sudden change in cabin pressure, that the oxygen masks will be deployed and that it's the parent's responsibility to first secure their mask before assisting their children. Righteousness operates in a similar fashion. Before we can exhort others to be righteous, including our children, we need to first focus on our own righteousness. This is because if we don't make God a priority in our own lives, we shouldn't be surprised if God does not become a priority in our children's lives. Oftentimes, there are parents who want their children to be religious, to be righteous, though they themselves are not. They want their kids to read the Quran, to be reverent, to do their salat, to be good believers, when they themselves as parents do none of these things and actually partake in much of the bad behavior they want to shield their kids from. In Surah 2 verse 44 it reads, Do you exhort the people to be righteous while forgetting yourselves? Though you read the scripture, do you not understand? So the first thing that a parent can do if they want to increase the chances that their children are protected and guided is to try to work on their own righteousness. Being righteous creates a barrier between us and evil. Righteousness is by far our best line of defense for protecting our children. To emphasize this point, consider this. When you have young kids and you're leaving the house, you're constantly checking to make sure you brought everything you need in order for them to be safe and secure and handle any issues. You want to bring the spare clothes, the blankie, the binky, the toys, the foods, the extra diapers, all these things. But the thing that is more important than any of that, again, is righteousness. God gives us this example regarding Hajj in Surah 2 verse 197. It says, as you prepare your provisions for the journey, the best provision is righteousness. You shall observe me, O you who possess intelligence. You know, in the scramble to make sure we have everything, we have all the provisions we think we'll need, 
The one that is more important, more valuable than all those, again, is righteousness. Because if we have righteousness, then it guarantees our protection. It guarantees our guidance. It guarantees that we're going to do the things that are going to draw us closer to God. One of the main concerns new parents also have is that their kids to be protected. They retrofit their home to block any uh, electrical wall sockets. They uh, barricade stairs so kids can't fall over them. They invest in the most cutting-edge strollers and car seats to make sure that their kids are protected. But God tells us again, the best protection we can offer ourselves and our loved ones is that of righteousness. In 726, it says, O children of Adam, we have provided you with garments to cover your bodies as well as for luxury. But the best garment is the garment of righteousness. These are some of God's signs that they may take heed. If we are equipped with the garment of righteousness, it is better than any other provision. It can get us out of any hardship and protect us from any adversity. Consider the example of Abraham. When he was thrown into the fire by his people, God protected him. This tells us that if we are under God's protection by maintaining righteousness, that not even fire will harm us. In Surah 21, verse 68 through 69, it says, They said, Burn him and support your gods if this is what you decide to do. We said, O fire, be cool and safe for Abraham. When we are righteous, God not only protects us, he protects our loved ones as well. This is because the worst punishment a parent can experience is to see their children suffer. So if God willing, we do our utmost to do the things that please God, then in return, God will protect us from the calamity, including our kids. In Surah 4, verse 147, it reads, What will God gain from punishing you if you became appreciative and believed? God is appreciative, omniscient, meaning God will not punish someone if they maintain righteousness. The only reason we experience punishments is if we've done something wrong and in order to get us back onto God's path. Aside from that, you have blessings in disguise where something appears bad, but it's ultimately good for us. But irrespective of what happens in our lives, if we maintain righteousness, we know that all these things work for our good. In Surah 3, verse 174, it reads, They have deserved God's blessings and grace. No harm ever touches them, for they have attained God's approval. God possesses infinite grace. The corollary to this is that if we revert from the right path, then this can cause disasters to be brought upon ourselves and our loved ones. In Surah 14, verse 28, it reads, Have you noted those who responded to God's blessings by disbelieving, and thus brought disaster upon their own families. When our families suffer, this can be a direct consequence of our own actions. So that is the reason that it's so important to maintain righteousness, that if we do the things that please God, that God will send his angels to protect us and our loved ones, so we are protected from evil. One of the most common tropes that the devil utilizes to try to sway people towards disbelief is by making it appear as if this is the direction society is heading and you either have to get on board with the majority or you're going to be on the quote-unquote wrong side of history. This fear-mongering tactic is only used as a bludgeon to try to push people towards sinful conduct. And as believers, we should never condone sin. People can be free to sin all they want, but for our sake, for our souls, we should never call evil behavior righteous. And this is more pertinent today than it's ever been. With all the push towards this LGBTQ nonsense and homosexuality and the sexualization of children that people want make you think as parents that you're being a bigot if you don't stand on the side of sin. 
In Surah 5 verse 100, it reads, Proclaim the bad and the good are not the same, even if the abundance of the bad may impress you. You shall reverence God, even if you are in the minority, O you who possess intelligence, that you may succeed. Don't be swayed by their marches and their celebrations. These are only inviting to hell. While God is telling us the things we need to do in order to be successful in this life and in the hereafter, we know exactly how it ends for people who live a sinful life, and it never ends in joy. Despite what society might be pushing us to support, we should never condone sinful behavior. In Surah 8 verse 25, it gives us the following warning. It says, Beware of retribution that may not be limited to the evildoers among you. You should know that God's retribution is severe. If we ever get to a point in society where we're giving a pass to sinful conduct and saying, oh, it's fine, that's okay, it's righteous in their own eyes, making excuses for these people, then we could be swept up in this retribution as well. This will lead many of us to the inevitable test where due to our beliefs and stances, we will be persecuted and insulted. But it's our duty to be steadfast and not capitulate to the masses when they are heading towards sin. In Surah 29 verse 2 it says, Do the people think that they will be left to say we believe without being put to the test? This is the inevitable test that we're going to claim we believe. We're going to claim that we're going to uphold righteousness. But what is going to happen when society pressures us to move away from this stance? And we see this example in Surah 29 verse 10. It says, Among the people there are those who say we believe in God. But as soon as they suffer any hardship because of God, they equate the people's persecution with God's retribution. But if blessings from your Lord come your way, they say we were with you. Is God not fully aware of the people's innermost thoughts? These individuals, they say they believe, but when they're persecuted because of their belief, rather than acknowledging this is a test from God to see if they're steadfast, if they're genuine believers who will uphold God's laws, even in the face of insults and persecution, what we see is that they cave in and they equate this persecution that they're facing, these insults that they're facing with God's retribution, and they revert away from the right path. We have to be steadfast. We know that if we trust in God, if we do the things that God is pleased with, that He will make us successful in this life and in the hereafter. You see the example of Lot. His people barred him from communicating with anyone. They perpetually persecuted him, and they were celebrating in their sinful acts. And we know exactly how it ended for them, that it was only Lot and his family who were spared, with the exception of his wife, who appears to be one of these individuals who was swept up with that nonsense of their society, that all those individuals were wiped out. So in the face of persecution, in the face of cancel culture, in the face of being called a bigot and all kinds of insults, we have to stand with God. And this is the test that we're all going to have to go through. So to recap, the first thing we need to do is to submit to God, to realize God is the only one who can guide, is the only one who can protect. Secondly, we have to focus on our own righteousness. We can't exhort our children to be righteous if we're not first righteous ourselves. And that this will lead to the inevitable test where we're going to be pushed and persecuted and insulted for our beliefs. But we have to be steadfast. So everything up until this point had to do with our relationship with God. Now the question is, what is our responsibility towards our children? What can we do to again increase their chances of being guided and being protected? 
In Surah 2 verse 256, God tells us that there's no compulsion in religion. One of the biggest mistakes I see is that people want to force their children to believe. As believers, we can never be aggressors. We can never force. But God does repeatedly tell us that we have to nudge and encourage and exhort our children and our family to believe. Take the extreme example of Noah, who was informed that no more of his people were going to believe. Yet despite knowing this, he still invited his son to join them on the raft. In Surah 11 verse 41 through 43, it reads, He said, Come on board, in the name of God shall be its sailing and its mooring. My Lord is forgiver most merciful. As it sailed with them in waves like hills, Noah called his son who was isolated. O oh, my son, come ride with us. Do not be with the disbelievers. He said, I will take refuge on top of a hill to protect me from the water. He said, nothing can protect anyone today from God's judgment. Only those worthy of his mercy will be saved. The wave separated them, and he was among those who drowned. Note how Noah didn't force him. He didn't grab him and say, look, you're getting on this raft. But from the verses above, we can tell that he tried his utmost to convince him to join them. But at the end of the day, the son himself had to make the final decision to what he was going to do. This shows that our duty as parents is to enjoin, to exhort, to encourage our children to get on the raft, to join the right path. In Surah 20, verse 132, it says, You shall enjoin your family to observe the contact per salat, and steadfastly persevere in doing so. We do not ask you for any provisions. We are the ones who provide for you. The ultimate triumph belongs to the righteous. So here God is telling us that he has a system where we have to enjoin, we have to encourage, we have to exhort our family, our loved ones to do the contact prayer salat. God has instituted a system. And if we abide by God's system, then God guarantees that we will be successful. So when God advocates that we encourage and enjoin our children towards doing their religious duties, we are applying God's system to our lives, and therefore God will fulfill His promise. In Surah 19, verse 54 and 55, we read and mention in the scripture Ishmael. He was truthful when he made a promise, and he was a messenger prophet. He used to enjoin his family to observe the contact per salat and the obligatory charity zakat. He was acceptable to his Lord. In Surah 2, verse 132, we read the example of Abraham. It says, Moreover, Abraham exhorted his children to do the same, and so did Jacob. O oh, my children, God has pointed out the religion for you. Do not die except as submitters. In Surah 14, verse 31, it reads, Exhort my servants who believe to observe the contact per salat and to give the charity from our provisions to them secretly and publicly before a day comes where there is neither trade nor nepotism. This is the criteria of the believers is that we exhort people to be humble, to be kind, to do the religious obligations. In Surah 90 verse 17 it says, And being one of those who believe, and exhorting one another to be steadfast, and exhorting one another to be kind. This is our duties as believers, is that we're encouraging people to behave in righteous manners. In Surah 51, verse 55, it reads, In remind, for the reminder benefits the believers. This is the system of God, that God is telling us these are what we need to do in order that God willing our children can increase their probability of being guided. That if we follow God's commandments, that God will fulfill His promise and protect us and our loved ones from sin. 
In Surah 31 of the Quran, entitled Luqman, we hear the advice of Luqman that he bestowed upon his son. It reads from verse 12 through 19, it says, We endowed Luqman with wisdom. You shall be appreciative of God. Whoever is appreciative is appreciative for his own good. As for those who turn unappreciative, God is in no need praiseworthy. Recall that Luqman said to his son, as he enlightened him, O oh my son, do not set up any idols beside God. Idolatry is a gross injustice. O oh my son, know that even something as tiny as a mustard seed, deep inside a rock, be it in the heavens and the earth, God will bring it. God is sublime, cognizant. O oh my son, you shall observe the contact per salat. You shall advocate righteousness and forbid evil and remain steadfast in the face of adversity. These are the most honorable traits. You shall not treat the people with arrogance, nor shall you roam the earth proudly. God does not like the arrogant show-offs. Walk humbly and lower your voice. The ugliest voice is the donkey's voice. This is the advice that God has bestowed in the Quran for us to learn from, that we can advocate towards our children, that they refrain from any forms of idol worship, that they know that everything they do in this world is going to be held to account, that they observe the religious duties of the Salat, and that they advocate for righteousness and forbid evil and remain steadfast in the face of adversity that they're not arrogant amongst the people, that they walk humbly and they don't show off, that if we encourage these traits for our children, that God willing, it resonates for them. At a young age, it's important that we instill the right values for our children so that they make the decisions that correspond with righteousness. At some point, our children will grow up and be ready to start their own families. And we want to make sure that their spouses will encourage them in righteousness and away from sin. That is why God commands us to have our children marry believers and not idolaters. In Surah 2 verse 221, it says, Do not marry idolatresses unless they believe. A believing woman is better than an idolatress even if you like her. Nor shall you give your daughters in marriage to idolatrous men unless they believe. A believing man is better than an idolater even if you like him. These invite to hell while God invites to paradise and forgiveness as he wills. He clarifies his revelations for the people that they may take heed. If we instill these right character traits in our children, God willing, they will pick spouses that are going to help them grow in righteousness and stay away from spouses who are idolaters who are going to invite them to hell. It is important that we advocate these principles early on in their lives so it resonates with them so it's not that when they're ready to get married that they've never heard any of this and they're taken back when all of a sudden you object to them potentially marrying an idol worshiper it's incumbent upon us that we do the things that god tells us to do that if we do these things and we try our utmost to maintain righteousness to abide by god's systems by instilling the right virtues into our children that God will take care of the rest, that if we trust in God, if we do our part, God will take care of everything for us. In Surah 25, verse 74, we read, it says, And they say, Our Lord, let our spouses and children be a source of joy for us and keep us in the forefront of the righteous. This is a prayer that we should be constantly invoking, that God willing, God rewards us with righteous spouses and children that draw us closer to God.
So again, if we maintain our devotion to God alone, we understand that God alone is the one who can guide and protect, that we do the things to maintain righteousness, that we exhort our children to be righteous, to do their religious duties, that at that point we have to just trust in God, that God takes care of the situation. We have the extreme example in Surah 18 regarding Moses and his teacher when they patched a wall that was about to crumble. It reads in Surah 18 verse 82, it says, As for the wall, it belonged to two orphan boys in the city. Under it, there was a treasure that belonged to them. Because their father was a righteous man, your Lord wanted them to grow up and attain full strength, then extract their treasure. Such is the mercy from your Lord. This verse indicates to us that even if we're not around, if we do the things that God expects from us, we maintain righteousness, we do our utmost to try to do the things that please God, that God is the one who ultimately takes care of our kids. You know, sometimes people think, they say, oh, if I move, if I do this, if I change schools, by all means, do whatever you think is necessary. But we have to understand that the ultimate solution to all our problems is our devotion and commitment to God. That everything else is utterly meaningless. That we can go to the best school, but if God does not will it, our children will not be protected. They will not be guided. That God is the only one who can guide. God is the only one who can protect our kids. That if we want to have the universal protection, the universal guidance for us, for our children, is that we have to do the things that please God. That if that relationship is rock solid, it's a foundation that's immovable, that guarantees no matter what our circumstance, no matter what our environment, no matter what our society, these things that we have zero control over will have no impact on us if we're in God's protection. As stated in Psalm 91, it says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, My Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With a long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. We have to trust in God. At the end of the day, if we do the things that God expects from us, we must trust in our Lord that he will take care of every situation, that there's no condition that is too dire, that God cannot save us from, that God cannot transform into a blessing, that God cannot create an exit for us. Probably the biggest lesson in the Quran regarding the trust in God is that of Jacob and Joseph. Jacob knew that Joseph's brothers were going to scheme against him. 
Yet he also knew that there's nothing he could do to change that outcome. We know for a fact that in society, there are people scheming to try to send our children astray. But we have to trust in God, that God is the one who does the protecting. That there's nothing we can do to divert their schemes aside from trying to maintain righteousness and trusting in God. The only recourse that Jacob had in regards to these schemes is that he said he's going to resort to quiet patience. The literal Arabic is saber jamil, which means beautiful patience. In Surah 12 verse 18, it says, They produced his shirt with fake blood on it. He said, Indeed, you have conspired with each other to commit a certain scheme. All I can do is resort to quiet patience. May God help me in face of your conspiracy. Jacob knew they were lying to him. Jacob knew they were scheming against him. But he knew that he had no control over this matter, that this was all destined by God's will. In Surah 12, verse 83, we read the second time that Jacob makes this plea. He said, Indeed, you have conspired to carry out a certain scheme. Quiet patience is my only recourse. May God bring them all back to me. He is omniscient, most wise. The lesson from this is that we cannot control the events that transpire. We cannot even control the outcomes. But all we can do is prepare and trust in God. And if we do the things that please God, then God guarantees us an absolute victory. And sure enough, this is exactly what happened to Jacob, that God protected Joseph and not only protected him, but he made him the highest ranking individual in all of Egypt. In Surah 12, verse 94 through 102, it reads, Even before the caravan arrived, their father said, I can sense the smell of Joseph. Will someone enlighten me? They said, By God, you are still in your old confusion. When the bearer of good news arrived, he threw the shirt on his face, whereupon his vision was restored. He said, Did I not tell you that I knew from God what you did not know? They said, Our Father, pray for our forgiveness. We were wrong indeed. He said, I will implore my Lord to forgive you. He is the forgiver most merciful. When they entered Joseph's quarters, he embraced his parents, saying, Welcome to Egypt. God willing, you will be safe here. He raised his parents upon the throne. They fell prostrate before him. He said, Oh, my father, this is the fulfillment of my old dream. My Lord has made it come true. He has blessed me, delivered me from the prison, and brought you from the desert after the devil had driven a wedge between me and my brothers. My Lord is most kind towards whomever he wills. He is the knower, the most wise. My Lord, you have given me kingship and taught me the interpretation of dreams, initiator of the heavens and the earth. You are my Lord and master in this life and in the hereafter. Let me die as a submitter and count me among the righteous. God willing, let this be a lesson for us. Let God allow us to do the things to draw us closer to him, to protect us, our loved ones, our children, to protect us from the schemes of the devil, from the evil influences of society, that God protects the believers and guarantees us victory in this life and in the hereafter. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please come join us on our Discord server. The invite link is below. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, download the Quran Study app on the iOS App Store. And if you don't have an iOS device, you can go to QuranStudyApp.com website. And for more information, you can go to the QuranicLabs.com website. We just launched this. It's filled with an abundance of information. And until next time, peace and God bless.